Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 759 with a review of Driveaway Dolls. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. And uh, yeah, we are returning to talking about theaters near us um, as we uh, you know, just got done doing our big crazy looking back at the last 17 years of the existence of the podcast in various capacities. How are you feeling, Stephen, after... Uh, embarking on that little journey of ours <laughs> Feel, feeling good you know it, it's funny in the moment um we had prepared questions but i had not really prepared answers and we went pretty <laughs> long you know like two hours and in the moment which i even talk about in the podcast i sometimes felt like man i'm screwing this up this <laughs> this is uh i'm not giving them anything but then when i listened later i loved the conversation i really enjoyed it and preliminary feedback from stray listeners who know us has been positive so far it seems like people had fun learning a bit about the backstory of the podcast i i, I like that you your stray listeners a little bit of a pause who know us yeah we have gotten some positive yeah. feedback um but they are people that we know um so mm -hmm. you know we got to temper that feedback a little bit and see how the general audiences maybe potentially <laughs> enjoy that yeah. episode I, I i even got a piece of a suggestion from a listener who maybe hasn't talked to you yet about something that they think we could do for bonus content in the future but we can talk we can talk offline about that okay sounds good <laughs> yeah shout out to listener dylan last name will not be mentioned unless you want to <laughs> i mean it sounds like it's a question for dylan not a question for me <laughs> but yeah yeah we're, we're, we're back to the grind uh steven um you know where we got one film that we can get in before we do our big dune coverage uh, are you yeah. excited to get into this episode Oh yeah, I'm I'm stoked. I was aware of this movie middle of last year because I think it was gonna come out last August or September, and then it was one of the casualties of the strikes is it got pushed back. Uh, um, so I've been looking forward to this for a while, just in the sense that you know a Cohen brother was making a movie, and goddamn, do I do I love whenever they decide to do something? I think this is the first time Ethan Cohen is doing a feature film on his own. So I was also curious what that was gonna look like. Yeah. Well, we have seen it. We know what it looks like, and we're about to talk about it. Steven, you ready to get into the episode? I am so ready, and I am so curious what you thought of the movie, because <laughs> my decision of what you thought went back and forth like five times while I was watching it. <laughs> my decision of what I thought about the film might have also gone back and forth several times while I was watching, but we're going to get into it, Steven. What do you say we take a listen to the trailer and then let everybody listening know what we thought of this film? Let's do it. The case, Santos. Not on your life. Hello, girls. It's the last body shot competition, so we are going to salt you up. I've had it with love. I don't believe it's relevant to the 21st century lesbian. You're not wearing that. I just came from work. I came from Toledo. I don't dress like it. I'm not here to peddle my wares. I'm leaving town. I am too. That was my plan. Where are you going? Tallahassee, Florida. I've been unhappy. That's why we take this trip together, honey babe. We get our act together together. Curly's drive away. Pennsylvania's most trusted name in car delivery. Curly here. Don't call me Curly. And your name Curly? My name is Curly. We just met. It's too familiar. We're here for the car. Wait a minute. 
You call with a drop-off in Tallahassee, and then these broads come in and say they're ready to go to Tallahassee. They drive the car instead of you. Is that bad? Bad if they find the goods. What? You should see what's in here. I bet it's locked. Understand that you're unhappy, sir. We will find and deliver the package. We just want your friends. You cannot relate to the public, which in the service profession is a big handicap. Did the two creeps find you? They know we have their stuff. Maybe we sell it back. Shake them down. Are they like wanted or something? Oh, no. They're not in trouble at all. I'm going to help you break a big murder case. That is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I'm a cop. Who are you? Democrats. Wow, you've had a full day. All right, that was the trailer for Driverway Dolls. Um, basically, it's a story of two friends um, who decide to take a little road trip together. They uh, use this service, uh, the driveway service, uh, where you can basically transport somebody else's car to a destination. And it uh, turns out they picked maybe the wrong car because there are also some people trying to use that service to do some uh, shady stuff. And they end up getting those people's car and uh, all kinds of hijinks in in shoe in Sue. Sure. <laughs> Stephen Miller, what did you think about Driveway Dolls? Man, I'm not going to lie. At the beginning of this movie, I was feeling a little bit of the Lisa Frankenstein thing. Um, I was getting a bit worried because the comedy seemed really broad. The jokes weren't totally landing the way I felt like I wanted them to in an audience. Um I'll, I'll give you an example. This movie opens with a sex scene where characters are making noises that I would only describe as like cartoon levels of exaggerated sex scene-ness. You know, like yeah. they're playing it. We talked about it with Lisa Frankenstein. Like like they're shooting for the bleachers, basically. And it was not totally landing. And I was thinking, oh, no, I am in for a long ride of something over the top that is just not going to be properly calibrated. Um. Add to that the dialogue, uh, pretty much anything that Margaret Qualley, a.k.a. the character of Jamie, says at the beginning is borderline unintelligible, right? She's speaking in like a a fake Southern accent, but she's delivering dialogue at a kind of like cadence and pitch that just does not feel like it, it isn't a naturalistic character, right? Like, like she's yeah, yeah. playing a cartoon character in that moment. Um and the movie steers into that 100% in the first 15 minutes. It's got crazy white transition. It's got super goofy cuts. It's got like everything is just ridiculous. Critics are pretty mixed on this movie. And from that alone, it doesn't really surprise me. But damn, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think I should have doubted a Cohen <laughs> because <laughs> I think this movie is lowbrow trashy and masterfully constructed trashiness in that it creeps up on you because somehow it goes from that start where I felt like I was in this alienating comedy that was operating at a register I couldn't really understand to 
I was pulled along into a kind of low-key road trip movie. And about an hour in, I had entered the universe of absolutely batshit zany territory <laughs> without even realizing it. It's like this movie carried me along with it. And I feel like it... it I don't remember who first said this about a movie, but it's the kind of thing that feels like it teaches you how to watch it. Like it takes a little while to click into the rhythm of what they're doing. But once I was clicked in, I had a fucking great time. I, I thought this movie was hilarious. I thought it was so over the top. I thought the the willingness to be irreverent and just throw all the plot details out the window, which are is a schnazy thing that makes me deeply curious how you are going to feel about the movie. <laughs> I thought that was so much fun and hilarious, and it just sticks the landing in a way that I really, really, really loved. So I I left this movie on quite a high. Like, I, I won't say this is a, quote, important prestige movie. It clearly does not want to be that. Um, you know, Raising Arizona seemed like the obvious comparison, but I, I rewatched Raising Arizona yesterday just to compare. Totally different movie, totally different style, <laughs> different pace, different everything. I think Burn After Reading is the closest I can come to in a Coen Brothers history to this movie. And people were mixed on that. I loved Burn After Reading and I loved this movie too. So I can get into the details of what I love, but I really want to know because I was playing the Does Chris Like This or Not game over and over again while I watched it <laughs> and I don't know where I landed. Um, let me ask you, how many people were in your theater? <laughs> not a ton. Um, it was maybe, it was the big screen at Alamo and it was maybe yeah. like, maybe like 25% full, 20%. Like, like there were people it was definitely nowhere near a packed show. Yeah, because I, I was also in the big the big theater at Alamo, um, and I went to the brunch screening, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and there was like maybe twenty five people total <laughs> in okay. my screening. Um, so I was also getting a little bit of a Lisa Frankenstein vibe from the audience, right? Because like when I saw that, I was like, "Huh, this feels like if I was in an auditorium full of people who were like really vibing with this." It, yeah. it would really, really be landing. But instead, I was kind of sitting mostly alone. Like, I was in that, like, upper section of the back, but I was the only one in that entire area. So I was just, like, mm. alone with my uh, ball of popcorn. And, like, there were, like, little little groups of, like, women in the theater who, like, were sort of, like, laughing with each other. But it wasn't, like, an yeah. uproarious, like, everybody in the theater laughing. It was, like, every once in a while, you'd hear, like, a little bit, like, <laughs> And then that right. would be it, like a short, like maybe like the three laughs, right? So I did not have the help of the audience. Um, so all that's being said to get out of the way, the cold open to this is friggin' amazing. I like, <laughs> when this film started, I was like, holy shit, I'm in for an amazing time. <laughs> wow. Right? So we had different openings, so, basically. So I, I mean, I'm talking about Oh, you're like, talking about the cold open. I, I hear The cold I hear open, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Not, not the beginning of the film. Um, no, like, yeah, like the actual... I, I yeah, the cold open, uh, which we can talk about in a spoiler segment, has some brilliant visual gags, amazing little performances. I was like, I am ready for this movie. Here we go. Saddle up. <laughs> like, this is going to be amazing. Um, and then we're ripped out of the cold open and thrown into the thing that you were talking about, like potentially worrying about little a little bit and and kind of like, you know, the the, the fast quippy dialogue um the weird accents um you know like it, it was kind of for me it was like a I, I started to feel the same worry as you um i don't know that the film taught me how to watch it as fast as maybe it did for you for me 
it was kind of a little bit of like we're in two different worlds right like i'd be happy to watch just the girls road trip movie or this weird like criminal story where things are being mixed up but they always felt so separate like the girls are doing their own thing in their own movie and there happens to be this other thing that we keep cutting back to which never rose to the level of super interesting on its own and the girls thing was like had moments it, it ebbed and flowed right sometimes i was like chuckling with it and it was fun and sometimes it was kind of just like i i get this joke are we going to hit a different beat um then there's like a literal tire screech <laughs> yeah. in this film and it kind of starts to meld everything back together and then the jokes were all laughing landing for me i was like totally vibing with it and then as you said it's sort of like crescendos 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 and it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and it's like by the end of the film i think this film sticks the landing i think yeah. it sticks it real good <laughs> yeah i just don't know if the journey was enough for me to like like i didn't leave with the high because i had I, I hadn't forgotten about that middle section um which which like i said still had its own fun and enjoyment through it it just it never brought me up to a level where i was like yeah dude that that was something that like i really want to like people to go check out but it's like one of those things where the payoff for for sitting with everything is so strong and so good that i kind of like i'm kind of there like i'm kind of yeah. there for it it's just like when i think about it overall i'm like it, it was fine but then, like the high high the, the, the moments of high are so high but like the moments are of just fine are so frequent that it's mm. I, I don't know how to balance how I feel about this film. I, I hear you. I, I hear you. I don't know why for me, I suspect and I can't prove it. I don't have any grand theory of this movie. I think the way it builds is necessary for the huge highs that it hits to land yeah. the way that they do. And like, I think that is why I feel like this was really well constructed. And for me, I get it. It was more of like a gradual crescendo, whereas for you, you had a long kind of middle patch where you weren't feeling it like We'll talk in spoilers. There are things that happen in the last half hour of this movie that if they had happened 25 minutes in, I wouldn't have laughed a little bit. I would be like, yeah, okay, I'm in a wacky movie where they're just going over the top. I don't care. I don't give a yeah. shit. Like, there's something about the way the... It, it's almost like it starts as being a romantically goofy movie and then ends with being a, like, criminally goofy movie and the way they switch <laughs> what is goofy is like a slow kind of crossover yeah. and the romance becomes more real and the criminality becomes more ridiculous not that it was ever not ridiculous but it gets even more <laughs> ridiculous by the end and i i don't know how to explain it except when i left i felt a kind of golf clap of i don't know how the fuck you did that <laughs> but you just turned a no into a yes over the course of a movie in a way that <laughs> The fact that that happened was part of the joy of of it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and yeah, I I I totally I totally get where you're coming from because, like I said, I got there eventually. It's just for yeah. me, it kind of burned too. And I and I think too, if the if the Friends road trip movie or the Criminal hijinks movie were just a hair better, it would have felt more mm. even. But mm. because it's kind of like I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the the kettle to to do the you know i'm trying to wait for the kettle to reach full steam and every time it's about to we cut to the other group and i feel like i'm starting the kettle all over again yeah and it's kind of like a thing where it's like i'm like you know here we go we're almost there we're almost there and oh no switching okay cool almost there almost there switching okay cool and then it really took it really took until like you know 
the cases opened for me to Uh be like, all right, you knew what you were doing the whole time. The journey may have been worth it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so that's kind of how I felt about it. (laughs) Cool. I I get it. I do want to highlight, by the way, because I, I was curious the inspiration for this movie and I was reading up on it a little bit. And so it is given a sole directing credit of Ethan Cohen, uh, but he wrote it with his wife, Trisha Cook, who yeah. essentially, as far as I can tell, co-directed the movie with him and they've wanted to make this movie for a long time. Uh, his wife identifies as a queer woman. When they met, she identified as a lesbian. So they both have a kind of open relationship with some, their marriage is a little complicated basically. And it seems like this movie was a passion project about how do we, how do we queer up the Cohen thing, basically? Because she has been the editor on, I would say, a large number of their movies, especially yeah. in their 80s and 90s run. Um, and that the that part of the story just makes it ring even more fun to me because it's like they're intentionally queering the hell up everything. Like, like they're trying to make it be totally ridiculous. They're going as far as they can. And I, there's just something so gleeful about starting with the cachet that comes from a oh a one of the coen brothers has a new movie coming out and then doing this with it that i just like i felt giddy i felt like someone was getting away with a uh, <laughs> getting away with something they weren't supposed to and i yeah. hope that's how they felt when they were making it too i mean i mean yeah I, i'm pretty like you don't get the performances you get from this movie if the people are not on board right like this isn't right. this is not a film that was made in the edit this is a film that was like supposed it was it was you know, packaged and sold this way. Um, yeah. You know, maybe not in the trailer necessarily, but like it's definitely like this is the exact movie they wanted to make. And you can tell the people in the film are having a lot of fun. Um, yeah. It, yeah. I also, it, it's hard to talk about this movie much without spoilers. So we'll probably dive there very soon. <laughs> um, yeah. But I will say, as much as this is a primarily comedic movie, you're willing to sacrifice any character to get a laugh for for the most part. I do think as it builds along, there is some genuine emotion to this movie that I that I feel there's a recurring flashback that one of the characters has that's kind of about her own awakening that started as a laugh and then eventually became kind of moving to me, you know, after enough times that they kept returning to it. Um, there is a romantic subplot in this movie that seems like they could never pull it off and then I feel like they completely pull it off <laughs> um, by the end. I, I believe it. We can we can talk about it. But I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. There are just things. There are things. I'm not going to say this movie made me cry. You know, this isn't getting that hallmark. But for how over the top ridiculous this movie is, I was surprised at how many beats they managed to hit that made it feel a little bit more like rich to me at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I, I definitely half agree with some of that. <laughs> mm. Well, yep. I fully, I fully agree with some of that. Um, I, I mean, obviously the romantic interest pieces are. It feels like that's we have to be doing that here, right? Like it, it it's, mm-hmm. it's so clear and obvious. I mean, m- much like it was in Lisa Frankenstein, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where it's like, why are you doing this movie if not for this? <laughs> you know what I See, mean? You're smarter than me because I did not have that feeling at all until <laughs> until it started to occur. All right. All right. <laughs> For me, the best part of of that plot is the openly discussing that plot <laughs> with other people just around them all the time. 
<laughs> um, that was always a, a good a good comedic bit, bit, bit for me. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should, unless you have more general thoughts, I think we should dive into spoilers. No, no, no. Yeah, like I, I think, I think this this film is made in the spoilers. Um, <laughs> so, so we could just go ahead and get there. But of course, before we get to spoilers, for anybody who doesn't want to be spoiled for this film, and arguably, if you're gonna see it, you probably want to see it before having everything yeah. spoiled. Um, if if you can manage that, because it seems like everybody wants to talk about the spoiler pieces of this. We're going to do verdicts for you. Um, so, Stephen Miller, uh, if you were going to give this a must-see, record with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or must-avoid, what would you give it? I faced this crisis when I went to Letterboxd a minute after the movie ended <laughs> because I know it's a bumpy ride to get there. I know if I compare this to No Country for Old Men or even like Hail Caesar or something, I know it is going to come up not quite as high. I'm aware of that. But goddamn, on Letterboxd, I hit four out of five stars with the little heart next to it. I was wow. like, I'm going, I'm going fully on board for this movie, so I'm calling it a must-see. I think this is a, a spectacular trick that they pull off. I don't know how they did it. I have faith that the awkwardness I felt at the beginning is necessary to get the high I got at the end. And I had a great time with my journey. So I'm going must-see. Yeah, I, I am definitely not musty territory. Um, I'm probably sort of floating in between a wait for rental and a recommend. I feel like it's one of those things where, like, if you're going to watch it, see it with other people because you want that communal, you want to experience the end of the film with a bunch of people. And yeah. it's not going to hit the same if you're sitting alone on your couch or like me sitting alone in the back of a theater. <laughs> yeah. And maybe in the theater, like every two minutes rotate and sit next to someone else just so you can all really share in the <laughs> in the joy of the movie. That that's definitely that is definitely one way to watch this film. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, it's sort of that sl sliding in between those two two ratings. I wish that the center and, you know, mid beginning was was a little bit stronger for me to like really have me be excited the whole time but damn it if this film doesn't like stick the landing that it is going for um so mm. you know for me for me being able to talk about it with other people is the reward for watching the film so take that for what you will <laughs> and here we are reaping the rewards um, all right. So as we said, we're going to get to spoilers in a second. We're going to say goodbye to everybody else who is not going to join us for spoilers. Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at sdavidmiller on most social networks or sdavidmiller.com. Or if you want to read the piece that I talked about in the last episode that I was working on, uh, I wrote a top 10 pairs of 2023 essay for David Chen's newsletter, Decoding Everything. So head on over to decodingeverything.com if you want to read that. Yeah, and if you remind me, I will link to it in the show notes for this episode. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Just to make it easy for people to click through uh, without having to uh, pause and go type it in anywhere. Y you are reminding me of, I was this years old, meaning like the last two months when I learned that Instagram stories, you could put a link in them. <laughs> so every time before I would try to share anything, it would just be either link in bio or just typing a URL and hoping they could type it because Instagram usually doesn't let you cut and paste anything. Um, I had no idea that was hiding in stories this whole time. What a treat. It is interesting that they put it, they, that they allow that in stories, but not on actual uh, posts, but... Yeah, I don't know why. 
whatever. Anyways, uh, people can find me at CrisperInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash CrisperIRL. I don't know. Uh, or CrisperIRL in a number, a number of other places. Um, you can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, funny story, Spotify has like seriously messed up all their shit as they keep acquiring companies around podcasting. They mm-hmm. now broke their editor that used to be part of uh, Anchor.fm. Um, I'm telling this mostly to Steven in real time, but I'm technically yeah. not speaking to anybody who used to listen to us on Spotify because you can't have gotten the last few episodes of us from Spotify because some shit's broken and it won't let me submit the episodes anymore. Uh, they're just stuck in draft form, and each week I try to resubmit them. I certainly don't want to criticize any listener, but if you were using Spotify as your podcast app, maybe Google, look up, look up what other podcast apps <laughs> exist out there. It gets better, I promise. Unless you're just pot committed to the Ringerverse or something like that, and then I understand you yeah. might be sold on Spotify because you've been forced into it because they bought your favorite podcast. But for everyone else, trust me, Overcast, Pocket Cast, there's better things out there that will satisfy yeah. what you need. And also, Stephen... I subscribe to a number of the Ringerverse stuff in Overcast, so... So do I. Uh, it's not a problem. Just just leave Spotify. <laughs> do it now for your own sanity. You can use it for music. Don't use it for podcasts. <laughs> and I think Joe Rogan puts it on YouTube, too. So <laughs> if that's what you were holding on to. <laughs> yeah, if Rogan could do it. <laughs> um, anyways, where were we? If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash warning. Facebook.com slash the warning or Instagram.com slash the warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the or you can use the contact from our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io, so hopefully you're enjoying that. That music, it is going to fade up. And uh, while it's faded up, Steve and I are going to go check the trunk, see what's in there. And when we come back, we're going to unleash a bunch of spoilers on you, so get ready. See you in a moment. We don't gotta stay friends forever. Start a whole new chapter Find our happy ever after The only way to know is ask her Yeah, babe We don't gotta stay friends forever All right, we are back. It's spoiler territory. It's the after part of a review of Drive Away Dolls. We are talking full-blown spoilers for that film. So, Steven... Where do you want to get... I mean, I guess we should get started at the beginning, the cold open. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's talk about the, the reveal of who is not really in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pedro Pascal, uh, featured yeah. prominently in the trailer, uh, is only in this film. Well, I mean, he makes some sort of appearance of sorts throughout sure. the rest of the film. Yeah, his appearance is in this film multiple <laughs> times. Yeah. Uh, but the living, breathing Pedro Pascal is in the cold open, Um he is trying to trade or sell or whatever the briefcase for a client who doesn't show up. He is then attacked by the waiter, who it turns out is a ultra strong henchman of the bad guys who does all the henchman things, including <laughs> squeezing in his eyeballs until they pop, I believe. Now, um, now, now, here's the thing. Before we get to the eyeballs, this is where I was like, I am in for a great ride. Is it's, it corkscrew? Yeah, the guy stabs Pedro Pascal in the neck with a corkscrew. And Pedro starts screaming and tries to uncorkscrew his neck because you can't just pull out a corkscrew. Everyone knows that. 
even though yeah. it went straight in, you have to twist it to get it out. And just as about to get it out, the guy pulls out a pan and jabs it in the other side of his neck. <laughs> like that that's fucking brilliant comedy right there. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I loved it. Yeah. Um and then other people jump out of a car and murder Pedro Pascal. And that is the end of living Pedro Pascal in this movie. Cold yeah. open only. Which is a great coup because I I can't prove this, but I've seen Pedro Pascal on a lot of videos on the internet lately, including like the kind of like actors on actors type things where he's talking about his process and stuff. I don't know why they had him on. Maybe it was the Strange Way of Life short or something else mm, that he's doing maybe. it. But I feel like he's been doing a press junket for Driveway Dolls, which is a hilarious rug pull <laughs> to learn yeah. that he dies in the opening, um, in the cold open of the movie. Yeah. But yeah. it's worth it. I mean, technically, there's a second cold open with him, which is when they mm -hmm. open up the basket and his head That's is literally true. in there on dry ice. Yes. Yes, that is a very chilly opening as well. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I don't even know how to jump around. Like, let's see. I'll start with my probably MVP side character in this movie is a man named Curly, <laughs> played by Bill Camp, yeah. who um, owns the driveway shop. I still don't really understand how the driveaway thing works. Like, do the girls just not understand it and they get lucky? Because they seem to believe they tell him they want to go somewhere and he hands them keys and they drive away. But clearly it is a you have to drive this car from point A to point B exactly. And there's no way you get lucky enough to just have people walk in and want to go there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I you know, this is a silly idea for a film this is 100% a real business. I don't understand how it works. But if you just Google driveway service, it, like every state has them. It's definitely a thing. I was trying to like look a little bit before this worked. But of course, they all like, you know, you have to actually log in and get in there to figure out. Like I wanted a thing that's like, do you want to drive? Do you want to rent? Like I was trying to understand. And I, I want to know how the business of this works at all. Because like in theory, if I'm going to rent a car to do travel, if somebody's just giving me a car they kind of almost shouldn't pay me, right? Because like I'm getting yeah. the service for free. Um, but the person whose car is being moved should theoretically have to pay. So I, I, I just, I, there's so many questions I have. Um, and I, have, I assume the services today are a lot different than the services were back when this film's supposedly taking place. Yes, it's set in 99 or something. I am not 100% I feel, I feel sure. like it's 99, but I'm not positive. But yeah, it's... Either way, it was super interesting. But yeah, I think they just got lucky. I mean, yeah, they clearly got lucky because Curly just was like, hey, you guys want to go to the same place the guy on the phone just said to take the car? <laughs> you <laughs> must be the one that <laughs> that they hired. Um, so yeah, yeah. Right. anyways, go, go well, on with your so Curly conversation. So they, yeah, in the universe of this movie, they hire the driver. They pick a driver and then call his service and he just provides the car for the driver, basically. But And then... Jamie and Marion misunderstand it and they think that they can just rent a car that way and they get lucky. They happen to get extraordinarily lucky and it works out. I mean, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, one of the two girls is attempting to do the right thing and the other one is more free will and, and <laughs> it wants mm -hmm. to go wherever it is that everything takes them or wants to take them. And it's sort of like, I don't think anybody's getting, well, lots of people are getting lucky, but. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'll, I'll move on because we don't know enough about the mechanics. Yeah. Say for sure. All, all I'll say is the way the service works, as I understand it, 
those other people should not have expected that it was their car to take later, right? Because that isn't what the service is. In the service, you are not hired by the buyer. This intermediary is hired to allow a car and then the intermediary sources people to do it. But yeah, yeah. who cares? Doesn't you, matter. Yeah, yeah. The important thing is Curly. Curly is very fun. He's got a very like hangdog Bill Camp. He's the most like classic Coen Brothers character in this movie, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, like you could definitely imagine him singing in Oh Brother Where Art Thou or in the Please Mr. Kennedy song. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. He, he just seemed like one of those guys. And in particular, he gets beat up and he is laying on the ground and he's almost found by B.D. Feldstein later. And he comes so close to being found. He tries to throw paper up in the air. She doesn't catch it. And then he says, why would anyone try to save poor Curly? <laughs> <laughs> so here, here, Here's what I mean about like the in-between stuff where it's like, it's funny, but it's like, so doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. Like, if somebody is saying, go to this place, you'll see somebody here, why would you go after hours, right? Like, you can't, mm. like, even if somebody was hanging out there every day, which they were, why would going there after hours show that, right? So, like, going there at night defeats the purpose of what you're trying to do. So, that's, like, whatever. I don't understand how long Curly <laughs> is alive. Like, like I, I like the joke of him still being there and still being awake and still being alive, but just being stuck on the ground because he got hit once. And it, like, yeah, he's like paralyzed. It's like there's comedy there, but it kind of doesn't 100% make sense. But it's like I'm going with it because it's kind of funny, but it still makes me go like, that's a little, that's a little too silly. So it's, it's like that's an example of like the back and forth I was doing where I was like, I recognize the humor here, but the reality of the situation doesn't make sense to me. And like they were sort of canceling each other out a tiny bit. Well, clearly you have not seen enough Life Alert commercials to know that many people find themselves <laughs> in situations where they fall in and they can't get up. And Curly is just <laughs> in one of those, unfortunately. Now, I hear what you're saying, but also I loved Curly. Uh, let's get to the big reveals. Yeah. Like, I would say one big reveal, which is teased in the trailer, but intentionally never shown to you and kind of hinted you might never learn in the movie is what is in the briefcase. Right. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a MacGuffin. It was going to be a glowing thing that none of us ever get to look inside. And the whole movie would be some Guy Ritchie type, all the terrible things that happen to all the people that are trying to get the briefcase while the audience is never privy to what is inside. That is not true. Um, what is inside are four dildos <laughs> um <laughs> in particular four perfect replicas of famous people's penises including senator chanel channel chanel Ch i think it's channel i'm gonna say chanel um played by a wonderful matt damon <laughs> yeah matt damon is in this movie um matt damon is hilarious in this movie matt damon has had his penis molded fitting a cast when he was a young hippie who smoked pot one time and wound up with Miley Cyrus. And now he is trying to get his dildo back. And that is what all the bloodshed and money and everything is going for. Love that joke. Paid off in spades. Laughed my ass off when it was first revealed. And then as it gets layered more and more and more into the story, I just could not stop giggling, but even back up. And then I'll let you go in your spoiler directions. Um, we are first introduced to Matt Damon by way of a billboard yeah, yeah, showing that our lesbian 
protagonists have entered the state of Florida. Yeah. The billboard is showing the senator with his Christian wife, Christian family, and his kids who are eerily, <laughs> um, their eyes seem too far apart and they seem kind of inbred. <laughs> I was cracking up at that first revelation of this is what the horrible, like, religious conservatism of Florida looks like to our queer characters. <laughs> and I w that was the moment that I was a thousand percent on board for the movie, and it never let me up after that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's there are, there are not too many, like, there are some times in a movie where uh matt damon is revealed as a late stage character in the film and mm -hmm. people laugh when he comes on screen sure Th in this film people laugh but for the right reason like perfect casting 10 out of 10 no notes like you just brought me back film <laughs> yep. <laughs> um and i yeah and i think he continues to not disappoint uh and i i love his performances throughout the film um and mm -hmm. as the plot gets like stronger and stronger and he's sort of put into the pedro pascal <laughs> sort of role mm -hmm. like in the re reprising that whole like opening scene again um all of that stuff uh was was totally brilliant and i and i do kind of mm -hmm. like the like as much as i'm joking about like how unbelievable the various aspects of the story is somehow I, I, I like and semi believe the weird rationale between why these penises have to be collected and not yeah. be allowed to go out in the universe. Uh, I thought I thought it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, especially because, of course, logically speaking, you could just deny it. You could just say no, yeah. that's not it's not my penis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who who would prove you wrong? You know, who who could possibly say otherwise? But it, uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things like he knows. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. It's being used. It's being defiled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have more favorites. Um, for one, just continuing on the dildo train, you kind of think that is going to be the height of the movie is when it's revealed that these are dildos and then you're revealed who they belong to. But no, this is where the crime story collides with the romance story uh, because Jamie and Marion decide to have sex <laughs> with <laughs> the senator's penis <laughs> yeah and that that was the kind of thing where even just saying that sentence i was like how did you build a movie where you are able to say that sentence yeah. and make it feel like a reason for cheering um and that was when i just kind of had to slow clap uh slow clap the writing of this film because i feel like it was just hilarious yeah yeah and once again though not not to tap it too, down too much, but like, it is hilarious on the page. But the hate that this character has for the penis, does that override the wanting to fucking get fucked by that penis? Like, it feels like there's some... You mean some... the hate she has for the owner of the penis? The owner, the owner, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, for Channel himself. Yeah, I, I think it is a, um, it's crossing a taboo line that makes it sexier. That That is mm. my guess if I had to psychoanalyze. <laughs> I think specifically the fact that it's his means they are, um, yeah, they're defiling. They're, his, they're like, taking the power organical. back from the senator. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, I, I'm on board with you. <laughs> okay. So there was something I said before, uh, which you treated as the most obvious thing that the movie was building towards, and I was not building to it at all. And that is the relationship between Jamie and Marion. So at the yeah. start, Jamie is the wild one right jamie is 
doing body shot contests. She is cheating on Beanie Feldstein. She is a Lothario, right? Like she goes anywhere and hooks up with people. And that is just her life. She's a hedonist. Um, Marianne is tightly wound, stuck up. She is reading a book by Henry James. She's like reading old literature. She's uncomfortable in bar situations. Like she is definitely a lesbian, but she's treated as being not like totally comfortable with her sexuality or just not wanting to be that person. Yeah. At least. I really believed this movie was going to be a Thelma and Louise style. Like we are just an odd couple who is having a road trip. And over the course, she's going to learn how to loosen up. I did not think it was going to turn into romantic connection between the two of them. That completely escaped me. And even when it starts at the sleepover that they go to, that I referenced before, um, where everyone is rotating and then it rotates. So Marion and Jamie have to kiss. I still thought this was more of a, you know, in queer spaces, especially monogamy is less of an, I'm not going to say less of a thing, but it is not the expectation the way that it is for straight people all the time. And I thought this was the movie just being like, who gives a shit? They're going to kiss, whatever. This is fun. She's going to learn how to loosen up. And when that turned into an actual kind of heartfelt romance (laughs) where they have the fancy dinner and Jamie is basically like, I am going to loosen you up and get you to the place where you can have sex. And I think it has to be me. Um, I kind of loved that, honestly. Like, I was I was completely vibing with this movie. And it surprised me how well it converted me. Because at the start, Jamie is comic relief. Jamie is over the top. Jamie is not a real human being. Yeah. Uh, and by that point in the movie, I feel like she is. And that's another trick that I think the movie pulled. So, so it's interesting that you see that as that tipping point. Because for me... If I was in the Steven brain up until that moment, that's just a continuation of what you were saying, right? Like she is mm-hmm. saying that like, look, I've been saying you need to get laid rather than try to get you laid. I will be the one that does it. But to mm-hmm. me, that doesn't equal given given who James character is in the film. That doesn't equal romantic entanglement. That just equals like, I need you to blow off steam and I'm going to blow it off you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. not till later where like they're actually, oh yeah, we are doing this now. But to me, it was still telegraphed so far in advance that it's like, like yes, this person, this is this is their best friend. They can't hold a steady relationship because they're too free willing and doing whatever. Like it just it just seemed like it was such an obvious progression for the story to take that like I was just waiting for it to happen rather mm-hmm. than. And also, like in 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 that scene where they're in the ba- they're having the basement party, and you know they're they're you know for, forced to kiss or whatever, like her freaking out and leaving. To me, I thought that was already seeding. Like I am leaving because this feels like oh, yeah. it's right in the moment. You know, like so. Don't get me wrong. By then, I knew what the movie was doing. I just did not think going into the movie and having the road trip start. It did never occur to me that that was going to be a subplot of the movie. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, can I return to the dildos for a second? <laughs> Please. Please do. Just give them a quick rinse. Um, so as hilarious as the ending dildo stuff is, mm-hmm. my hands down favorite dildo steen is uh, Beanie Feldstein like, try- crying while trying to unscrew <laughs> the dildo from the wall to return to her as she's kicking her out of the house. That was pure comedy gold. <laughs> 
Beanie is so good in this movie. She is really, really, really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, but my favorite dildo scene, um, <laughs> because you know what is going to happen, and then you're just waiting for it to occur, and then it has such an amazing button on it, is the the housekeeper, the housekeeper yeah, yeah. <laughs> finding it. First, you, you know she's going to because she's cleaning the bed, and the camera's just, like, letting her slowly reach around. And, you know, the whole audience is starting to realize, like, oh, my God, this yeah. is going to happen. And then the next time we see it, it has been placed like a toothbrush <laughs> on the bathroom counter with a little red ribbon, <laughs> a little ribbon on it. <laughs> Which yeah. is 100% what a fancy hotel like that would do if they found this and didn't know what to do with it, but felt like they had to be polite to the customer. Yeah, yeah. That probably got the biggest laugh from my audience of anything in, in the movie. That was just a, a glory. At that point, the movie's firing on all cylinders, right? Like everything is making you laugh. Uh, but they, God, I love that image. And, and I, so, once again, I'm just asking questions here. <laughs> I don't, don't take that one from I, me, Chris. No, no, I, I don't want to take it to you. I, I just mean it, it is an example of like the the surprise versus like the character already noting what's going on. Because there is a world mm-hmm. like if she's going back to the ho- hotel to get the thing. All the mm-hmm. shit's already hit the fan. She needs to collect the the dildo so she can add it back to the collection so that everything can be you know resolved. And she goes there and it's missing, right? But she never has a fear of like, oh shit, it's gone. Somebody took it. She's just like, huh, wonder where I put it. Oh, there it is with the ribbon on it. And it's like, it's still hilarious. Uh, But it's hilarious from the housekeeper side, not hilarious from uh, her side as, as like, it's sort of like a, it's like one punch down from like fear turning into hilarity because it's Mm -hmm. just like, do, do, do. Oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah, they, they decide not to play it for fear. Um, I, I don't know why, but they don't give you that moment of panic. They just want it to be a, a straight shot to the joke of where the dildo is. Yeah. You can imagine a, like a longer cut of her asking all the staff one by one if they've seen a dildo. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're like, I'm not saying that should have been the way to go. I'm just saying that like, they're like, given all the other conversations they have in public around the various staff who are more than aware of of their extracurricular activities um it yeah. feels like you know feel it feels like there was there was chance for there to be panic and worry and other kinds of hilarity to ensue yeah that, w- that was another just kind of I-, I was gonna say visual gag but it's more than that it's the romantic conversation they're having about all the sex that she needs to have while the person is just slowly pouring champagne <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that 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 one had me going too as well. <laughs> yep. Anyway, yeah, good movie. I'm not a, not going to say perfect movie, not by any means, but had me laughing. I guess as long as we're here, we might as well talk about the very very ending, which I think is a kind of gal- not the very 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 little button, but the close of the dramatic action, which is Matt Damon coming back to try to shoot them and take the money that he's given them. Beanie Feldstein has been brought into the proceedings. She is a cop. She is finally getting her moment now of pulling out a gun and protecting him falling and the dildos flying everywhere and that being front page news. That is just like, to me, that is just like the coalescing of everything you've teed up in the whole movie just happening all at the same time in a way that I just, big fan. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I won't try to take that one from you, Steven. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. 
Cool. We, we, uh, we, we, we done? (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Was that good for you? (laughs) It was great for me, Steven. Um, Great. You know, we, we, we went from one film uh, getting excited about four worms to (laughs) to next week (laughs) when we're going to be excited about even bigger worms. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Just building up. That's what you want to do with these things. You want to build up gradually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in circumference. <laughs> um, you know, maybe that's maybe that's where my head was going, but <laughs> the whole time, the whole movie, I kept thinking like, it's funny how the Jamie character looks a little bit like Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> she she does. She yeah, has she like his does. exact signature hairdo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was also thinking that. She definitely has a bit of a Timmy look. And also, his sister, Pauline, is in the sex lives of college girls, too, and she also looks like him. So they... I need to do a side-by-side and, and, and see what I think about this Margaret Qualley fellow. Yeah, well, you know, if you just Google it, I'm sure lots of people <laughs> have done side-by-sides. You probably already have the comparison available. Yep. Cool. Uh, well, that's it for this review, this spoiler segment. We're going to take off and we'll see you next week for Dune part two later. Bye.